I'm going to read our Bible reading now. We're going to be, uh, we've been in the book of Nehemiah, haven't we? But we're now going to be in Luke 15 for the next couple of weeks. So if you want to turn uh, to Luke 15. Uh, Luke is, is one of the four eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. Luke was a, a doctor. Uh, he's a very careful historian. Uh, and this is something he writes here, uh, which I believe you don't find in the other Gospels, but you find it here in his account. So uh, Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 to 10. We're going to look at that this morning, and then next week, God willing, we'll take a look at the rest of the chapter. So Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 10. Kids, listen out. What's the animal? <laughs> Just listen for an animal, because there's at least one animal in there. Uh, so Luke 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there uh, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's turn back to Luke uh, chapter 15, uh, verses 1 to 10. uh, And we're going to take a look at this uh, for a moment now. This is um, Marie Kondo. Put your hands up if you... you, Any idea who this lady is? Yeah, Alice knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naomi, a few of those. Yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah. Yeah, so a a few years ago, she was quite big. um, She's into all this sort of decluttering thing you know all that like clear your wardrobe live a simple life you know three t-shirts and you know that kind of thing sort of getting rid of all the clutter of life Um, and and the key for Mary that her her thing was um was uh, does this give you does this bring you joy does this bring uh, you joy does this give you joy so that's the thing you go in your wardrobe and you take something out and you go does this bring me joy Does this give me joy? And if the answer's no, you give it to the charity shop. And if the answer's yes, you keep it. That's the the, the basic idea. Does it it spark joy? That was the um, title of her book. Uh, I think that's come out more recently, Spark Joy. When we were moving over here, so like three three years ago, um, we were getting ready to pack. You know when you're going to pack, but you get rid of stuff before. That's the idea anyway in theory, isn't it? You get rid of stuff before you pack. And... um, uh, Catherine was doing a bit of that and she had a friend round who was helping her and they were having a right old laugh and that was what, does it spark joy? If not, get rid and that's how she went through. I'm not necessarily condoning Marie Kondo and everything she stands for but I think she's, I think she's onto something 
I think she's on to something. And, and you can see why it chimes with people and it, it connects with people because we all want joy in our lives. We all want joy in our lives. We'd rather be joyful than not be joyful. We all want joy in our lives. We all want joy in our hearts. We all want a bit of joy in our families. We all know someone who's like really joyful, you know? There's, a, there's someone in your life, they're just really joyful and it does you good when you spend time with them. We, we like to be joyful. Um, but we also know, don't we, that often we're not full of joy. Often we don't feel joyful. We can very easily get run down and worn down and just tired out and, and lose our joy and lack joy and become discouraged. And what we see here in this Bible passage, I think, is one great source of joy. One fantastic source of joy uh, in our lives. And it's something that God is joyful about. And he says to you this morning, he says to me this morning, he says to us this morning, come and have joy with me. Come and rejoice with me, says God. And there's two challenges for us this morning. Uh, just two. The first is this, prioritise lost people. Look, there's two groups here, aren't there? Uh, the setup, the situation, verses 1 and, uh, and 2, verse 1. There's the tax collectors and sinners. And they're gathering around Jesus... Uh, and they're hearing him, they're listening to Jesus. That's one group. Uh, and then the second group is, verse 2, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And what are they doing? Well, they're muttering, as they often did. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They were a bag of laughs. <laughs> no. Um, but you see the contrast. So there's the tax collectors and sinners, and then there's the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And they're not happy because Jesus is spending time with the first bunch of people. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And they're not happy about that. And so Jesus tells a parable to try and explain things. Actually, he tells two, doesn't he, as we'll see. But the first one is this one of the sheep and the shepherd. And he hands it over to them, doesn't he? He says, suppose you, like imagine you're a shepherd. Suppose you uh, have a, a hundred sheep, a, a flock of a hundred uh, sheep. Now, uh, for back then, the flock of sheep would have been somewhere between about 20 sheep and 200 sheep. So this is like a kind of moderate, modest flock of sheep. Uh, and there's a shepherd and there's a hundred sheep uh, and he's got to look after them. And he says, well, suppose you're like that. You've got a hundred sheep, uh, but one of them gets lost, doesn't it? There's, there's 99 in the field, but one of them is strayed. One of them's wandered. One of them uh, is lost. Uh, and he, he describes the situation as the shepherd goes off, leaves the 99 in the open field and goes off to find the lost sheep. He prioritises the lost sheep. He goes, they'll be all right for now. I've got to go and get that one lost sheep. And so that's what he does. And wonderfully, he finds it, doesn't he? In verse 5, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Do you see the source of the shepherd's joy? What is the source of the shepherd's joy? It is that the lost thing has been found. The lost thing has come home. That's what gives him joy. He rejoices. He goes back to his friends, rejoice with me. You know, let's have a party. I have found my lost 
sheep and he is joyful. And Jesus sums up, he says, I tell you, verse 7, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Heaven parties, in other words. Heaven parties, heaven raves when one sinner comes home, when one sinner repents. And we know that as a church, don't we? We know about this connection between joy and sinners coming home. Why? How? Well, just a few weeks ago, we had a joyful day, didn't we? What did we do? We baptised Lee and Emma. Why was it such a joyful day? Because that whole day was focused on two, I'm going to call you sinners, two sinners coming home. Two sinners coming back to the Lord. Two people, in a way, as we said, very different. Different backgrounds, different stories. God worked in their lives differently uh, over different timescales at different speeds and through different means. But in his mercy, he brought them home. And God on that day, when that was open, had a party. Uh, There was a party in heaven. There was great rejoicing, or whenever it was when they were converted. You know what I mean. But, But it was a joyful day for us because we were celebrating lost found. Lost, come home. And it was joyful, wasn't it? It was a good day. We know it from our own lives. And that's why God says, rejoice with me. Notice, as we'll see in the next parable as well, the main character simply says, rejoice with me. Share my joy. Share my joy. And that's what God says to us today. God has joy here when lost sinners come home. And so should we. We should celebrate. And that means that we must prioritise lost people. We must prioritise lost people. It's what the shepherd did, didn't he? He left the 99 for a moment and he went after the one. He prioritised the lost sheep. And we must prioritise lost people. That We need to prioritise time with people who don't know Jesus. We need to make sure that is a priority in our lives, in our day-to-day lives, that we prioritise time with people who don't know Jesus. Now, I have made many errors in this area thus far in my life. I can think of one particular season in my life where I just spent too much time with God's people. Now, spending time with God's people is not wrong. It's a good thing. We need to do it. It's healthy. But I did not prioritise time with people who don't know Jesus. Jesus, and I should have done, and God is very gracious, but that's what I should have done, and I didn't. Uh, One author puts it like this, the disciple is not to withdraw into a cocoon inoculated from people of the world. There is always that danger, isn't there, of the holy huddle, uh, that we spend our time with God's people, and we sort of circle the wagons protectively, and we never get out there and spend time with lost people, but we need to do that. Uh, as individuals, what, what might it be for you? How, how can you rub shoulders with people who don't yet know Jesus? There's all sorts of different ways. It'll depend for you, won't it? It might be uh, opening your home. 
and having people in your house. It might be going for a coffee with a, a friend. It might be going to the pub with a mate. It might be, uh, I don't know, going for a, a walk as you're out walking the dog, just chatting with local people who don't yet know the Lord Jesus. Maybe it's uh, the kids. Maybe it's through the kids and the school run and preschool and school and secondary school and contact with other parents and things like that. Uh, maybe it's uh, just, I don't know, a hobby, golf, or going to the shops, or, or whatever it is. That, what are the ways that you personally are seeking to, if you like, intersect with people who don't know Jesus day to day? Natural points of connection. Maybe it's having a mix of people in your home. Maybe you have someone who is a follower of Jesus and someone who isn't at the same time and help them to sort of meet each other and, and see that we've not all got three heads, <laughs> as my mum would say, or something like that. That's how we can do it uh, as individuals, prioritise lost people in, in our lives, in our time, in, in our diaries, in our homes, whatever it might be. But it's true as well as a church, As a church, as a whole, we must prioritise lost people. That's what Jesus does and that's what he encourages us to do here. And when I say as a church, I think it starts with us leaders. It starts with us elders. We've got to set the tone here. We've got to lead the way. We're called, aren't we, to lead by example. And all five of us need to lead in in this area and set the example. Why do I say that? I find it very interesting. Uh, When you look in the New Testament at the uh, qualifications for church leadership, there's two very interesting little notes on this. One is that an elder is to be hospitable. But the word for hospitable there, now here we go, all right, we're going to have a little just sidebar from it. The word for hospitable there is philozenos, right? Bear with me, all right? I know it's a foreign language. It's a foreign language to me too. Uh, Philozenos, what does that mean? It means love of outsider. The word for, for church leaders' hospitality and what their hospitality is about is philozenos, love for outsider. So xenos, that's where we get like uh, xenophobia, right? The, that's the fear of foreigners, outsiders, strangers, isn't it? But philozenos, the love of outsiders, the love of those outside, that's what ought to characterise the, the hospitality, the heart and the home of a, of a church leader. Uh, And that's what it says in in 1 Timothy 3. Uh, And then the other one, which is again very striking, you think, well, that's an interesting qualification, is it says that a a church leader ought to have a good reputation with outsiders. They need to have a good reputation with outsiders. Well, if I'm to have a good reputation with outsiders, then outsiders need to know me, don't they? I mean, I won't have any reputation with them at all if they don't know me at all. I think it's the sort of bunch of blokes test, right? You should be able to walk into Debenham, not suggesting you do this necessarily, but you should be able to walk into Debenham and get a bunch of blokes, you know, I don't, they don't have to be blokes, but I'm just being blokey for a moment. Uh, you know, I don't know, guys that I bump into in the street, friends that I have in the village, maybe uh, husbands of my wife's friends or, or just people there acquaintances, the guy I talked to in the shop or whatever, you should be able to get a bunch of blokes test, get them all together and say, what's he like? What's he like? Go on, tell me. Be honest. You know, just, just, just tell me. What's he like? 
And I hope what ought to happen at that point, I guess, is those blokes ought to go, well, look, I'm not into all this Jesus, Bible, Christianity stuff, but he's all right. He's all right. I trust him with my car keys. I trust him with my kids. The only way you can do that test is if outsiders know me enough. And that requires me to know outsiders, doesn't it? So there's two things there. I just think it's very challenging. And please pray for us as church leaders, because there's a challenge for us uh, uh, to set the bar high. As leaders of the church, we ought to prioritise lost people. They ought to know us. They ought to know about our lives. They ought to be in our homes. And they ought to be in our hearts as well as we seek to set an example uh, for the whole church. It's really what all of us are called to, but we ought to uh, set the bar there and lead the way and set the tone that we prioritise lost people. And it's also, uh, for us as a church, it affects the way that we're structured. You know, the way that we're shaped, the the things that we do, you know, the things that we focus on, the the, the priorities that we have as a church, the the use of our time and and, and resources and and priorities and all of that, our vision, our mission, everything ought to prioritise lost people. Our church calendar, just the whole operation, if you like, the whole kind of machinery of the whole church and how we run ought to prioritise lost people. Partly because there is joy here. There is joy here. When you prioritise lost people and by God's grace, they come to know Jesus, there is great joy. And I know it from my own life. Some of the most joyful times of my life have been when I have seen lost people, just like a few weeks ago, come to know Jesus. When someone stood up this week and said, just want to let you know, guys, team meeting, you know, a couple of folks in our group, a couple of young people in our group have just got converted. We went mental. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, you know, as you know, I'm relatively reserved, actually quite an introverted sort of character. You don't see me go, yes, very often, okay? I don't tend to do that. If I'll FC win the Challenge Cup final, I will do that. And, by God's grace... When a lost sinner comes home, and I did, <laughs> it was loud. Yes! Somebody's come to know Jesus. Rejoice. But to have that joy, we have to prioritise them. We have to prioritise them. And that's the first thing. The second thing, more briefly, and it's kind of similar, is pursue lost people. The second story is kind of similar, isn't it? There's a lost thing. There's someone looking for a lost thing. But the the emphasis is slightly different here, isn't it? Here's the woman. She's got her ten silver coins. She loses one of them. And then the focus is on her diligent search, isn't it? It must have been dark, so she lights a lamp and she sweeps really carefully and she tries to find this this lost coin and, and she searches. It says, doesn't it? it very carefully search carefully verse 8 until she finds it and she finds the coin and then the end of the the parable as Jesus tells it in the same way I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over, uh, over one sinner who repents it's diligent pursuit of her lost coin and it's the same for us isn't it we've got to diligently pursue lost people in our lives We've got to chase them down. (laughs) We need to be praying for lost people. 
Uh, you know, we need to be rubbing shoulders with lost people. Yes, of course. We need, we need to be seeking to win lost people to Jesus, pursuing them. Notice that word, that just that one word, until. Sweet, she sweeps the house and searches carefully, verse 8, until she finds it. There ought, that word ought to hang over our lives. Until. Until. Until I, I keep going, I keep pursuing lost people until, until, until. Now we don't know when and who and how and when it's all going to happen, but that keeps us going does it? until they come home. I'm going to keep searching, I'm going to keep praying, I'm going to keep pursuing lost people until. Now some of you are discouraged in this area. It's a long haul over the course of your lives. You want people to come to know Jesus and you're just discouraged and you don't see progress and it doesn't look like anyone's coming in and it's hard and maybe we live in the day of small things, I don't know, but be encouraged until, until. Keep pursuing, keep praying, keep talking to them until a lost one is found. And don't stop that and go for another one, <laughs> by all means. It's a team effort as well, isn't it? It's a team effort. We're a church family. You know, we work together in this. One person's praying, the other one's got the friend, the other one gets the opportunity to speak to their friend. You know, it doesn't matter, does it? You know, who, who sows, who plants, who waters. We're a team and we do it together and we work together to pursue lost people. Um, there's um, a, a guy writing a book uh, about joy about um, uh, biblical joy, the Bible and the, and the subject of joy. And when he gets to Luke's gospel, he says, look, Luke's gospel is the gospel of joy. Now, you can understand why, because Luke is constantly banging on about joy. Read Luke, read Acts. He loves the word joy and, and, and rejoicing. But then the author says, look, when we get to chapter 15, this is like the most joyful chapter in Luke's gospel. Why? That's what you've got to ask, isn't it? Okay, Luke's all about joy, but here there's like a crescendo. There's like a peak of joy. Why is there so much joy in Luke chapter 15? And the answer, and we already know it because we've just been thinking about it, the answer is sinners are saved. Lost people have come home. And so there is an explosion of joy because this is something to be joyful about. This is where the joy is. And that's why God says to you this morning, rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. As we close, um, why am I here? That is a good question to ask, isn't it, in life sometimes? Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. But wh why am I here? It's a, sometimes you maybe think that to you. Maybe, I don't know, you're at work. You think, why am I here? What am I doing here? Why am I here? Have you ever asked that of yourself? Uh, what about me? You ask the question of me, Rich, why are you here? And what's the answer? Well, the answer's like a thousand different things, isn't it? It's complicated. Why are you here, Rich? I suppose the main answer, if you just say, look, Rich, why are you here? The big answer this morning is, I love my church family. I love my church. I love to be here on a Sunday. We love church day. Carnage, right, with little kids, but we love it. We love church day. We love being together with God's people. We love our church family. That's like the main reason I'm here. But you could think through my life and go on, couldn't you? Why are you here, Rich? Well, this is where I live. Like, this is my place. This is, I'm putting down roots, you know. 
Uh, the, uh, this is where my neighbours are, this is where my friends are, my family are, this is where we are as a, a family, it's where our extended family are as, uh, as well. We, we love uh, the east side of the country, we love Suffolk, uh, we love it here, we've got connections. You know, you could go on, couldn't you? We both, we work here, you know, all the reasons, why are you here? All these different reasons. But when Paul was faced with this sort of question and this, this thinking, like, what, what are you doing here, Paul? This is what he said to the Philippians. In Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 25, he says, he says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you. Why, Paul? For your progress and joy in the faith. Like one reason, just one, it's not the main necessarily or the only, but one reason why you hear rich. I am here for your progress and joy. That's why I'm here. For your progress and joy in the faith. And I know. I know because the Bible tells me and I know because of my own life experience that one thing that will boost your joy greatly is seeing lost sinners come home. So we've got to prioritise them and we've got to pursue them. And it's just great when they come home, isn't it? But here's a selfish reason, so that we can be joyful. You know, as you think about the subject of joy, do you feel like you lack joy today? You want something to celebrate today? Well then, prioritise lost people and pursue lost people. And by God's grace, we'll see them come home and we will rejoice with him and with each other. Let's pray. Father God, you are the source of all joy. You are full of joy. And we can only ever find true and lasting joy in you. But Father, from that fount there are streams and there are rivers and there are pools and there are ponds and there are lakes and there are oceans. And Father, I pray that you would help us to find our joy in you and in lost sinners coming home to you. Father, help us to rejoice with you. Grant us reasons to rejoice. Father, we pray that we would see lost people coming home. And we pray as we get into this game, as we stay in this game of pursuing and prioritising lost people, that you would greatly increase our joy. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.